Welcome to an audio stream from San Marino Community Church, featuring sermons drawn from our pastoral staff and various guest preachers. continuing on in our sermon series, looking at what it means and what it takes for us to live a kind of faith that keeps us awake at night, not in a way that taunts us, not in a way that makes us disturbed without any peace, but in a way that convicts us, in a way that has us going out into the world as people who are passionate about truth, who are passionate about hope, who are passionate about love and joy and peace and justice. So this week, we are going to continue in looking at the story of Jesus in the book of Luke. And these words that I'm about to read, we have in the message in your bulletin. So as you read along, we're reading Eugene Peterson's paraphrase of this passage. But the reason why we're doing that is so that we can hear these words a little differently because this is the passage, for those of us who have been in the church for a while, this is the passage that says um, that you must lose, deny yourself and lose your life if you want to save it. And those who wish to gain their lives must lose their life for Jesus Christ's sake. So I invite you to follow along with me and listen with fresh ears to a passage that has been very familiar to the church over the millennia. It says, Then Jesus told the disciples what they could expect for themselves. Anyone who intends to come with me has to let me lead. You're not in the driver's seat. I am. Don't run from suffering. Embrace it. Follow me and I'll show you how. Self-help is no help at all. Self-sacrifice is the way, my way, to finding yourself, your true self. What good would it do to get everything you want and lose you, the real you? If any of you is embarrassed with me and the way I'm leading you, know that the Son of Man will be far more embarrassed with you when he arrives in all his splendor in company with the Father and the holy angels. This isn't, you realize, pie in the sky by and by. Some who have taken their stand right here are going to see it happen, see it with their own eyes in the kingdom of God. My friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please pray with me. God, we pray that you will illuminate our hearts that you will illuminate our minds, that you will lift our souls. You say some very challenging things in Scripture, things that we wrestle with, that we don't know how to live into. And yet we know we can't ignore them. We know we can't deny them. 
And so we pray that you will teach us how to take these and treasure these words in our hearts so that we might be closer to you today than we were yesterday, so that we might see glimpses of the kingdom that is coming into our world even now, and so that we might be able to show others and teach them how to recognize that kingdom in this time and this place. Speak to us your truth and change us by your words. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. What do you do to save your own life? I'm not asking about the things that you do to keep yourself from dying. That's a different question. Things like eating well or incorporating a certain amount of exercise and seeing the doctor and the dentist and the therapist and choosing not to jaywalk. I'm not asking you about the addictions that we work to give up or the traumas that we work to overcome because those things aren't so much about saving our lives in as much as they are about keeping us from dying. I'm asking us, what do we do to save our own lives? What are the moments where we have assumed the lead without first consulting our spiritual values. For example, in the classic children's book, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, there is one of the four siblings, his name is Edmund, and he decides to abandon his family in order to find the white witch in pursuit of a promise that she had made to him that he would be king over his brother and sisters. He abandons the love and loyalty of family so that he could save the vision that he had for himself, that he would be influential and powerful in a world that up until that point always meant he was the third in line. He saved his life by abandoning his family. Or if we look at the story of St. Peter in scripture, the night that Jesus died, he sat with a crowd of strangers near a fire and he denied that he knew Jesus. Out of a fear, we believe, that he would forever be labeled as the friend and follower of a fraud. He abandoned what he knew to be true about Jesus in an effort to preserve the vision that he had for himself. The vision where he was the follower of a winner, of a conqueror, of the one who would rule over everyone. He didn't want to be seen as the friend of a failure. And I think that we can all sympathize a little bit with Edmonds and with Peter, just to some extent in our lives, can't we? All of us have had moments where we have denied what is true because what is false makes us feel better. All of us have had moments where what we have really hoped for, then we really believed that maybe that lie, maybe the thing that is shallow is going to save us rather than that hard, true, spiritual fact. For some of us, these moments of saving ourselves might stem from minor decisions like ignoring a demeaning joke or avoiding the phone call from a needy friend. Other times, the choice to save ourselves is a pivotal decision in our life. 
like choosing our career over the commitment we have to our children and our family, or investing our time and our wealth in something that is unethical out of the hope that we will gain more power and prestige. Every time we choose to preserve our image, our finances, and even some of our relationships over and above the spiritual commitments that we hold, commitments like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control. Every time that we choose to prioritize our commitments over those spiritual commitments, we are choosing to save ourselves rather than following the only one who can truly save us. Let me give you an example. I learned something interesting this week. I learned how people catch monkeys. Maybe you already knew this, but I learned this week that the way that indigenous people trap monkeys is by taking a box, putting a piece of fruit or some food inside the box, sealing it, and then cutting a small hole in the front of that box. And then when a monkey comes across this box in the wild, either by curiosity or by hunger, by smell, It finds that it can get its hand inside the box. It can grip whatever is in there, but it can't get its hand out. It can't pull whatever it is out with it. Now, the interesting thing is that even when people come to collect the box and the monkey with it, the monkey won't let go of the fruit. Even though it's about to lose its freedom, even when it doesn't know what that person is going to do with it once it captures it, the monkey refuses to let go. The hypothesis is that the monkey does this out of some sort of desperation, out of hunger, yes, but also out of naivete. Because that monkey believes that there is nothing more dangerous than letting go of that food. It can't imagine anything that could be worse. So in other words, the monkey chooses to lose its life by hanging on to the fruit rather than saving its life by letting go. Friends, I think that's what Jesus is talking about in our scripture passage for today. It's what he's talking about when he talks about who, those who want to save their lives will lose it and those who live their lives for Jesus' sake will save it. He's talking about our willingness to let go of what we can and do control. If we hang on to the things that we are convinced are going to save our lives, be it our reputation or our finances, our addictions, our political affiliations, if we hang on to these things over and above the spiritual values that we profess as Christians, values of humility and justice and gentleness and generosity, then we are like that monkey with a box. We might think that we are getting the best deal. After all, we can feel that fruit in our hand but we will be sacrificing eternity 
for those things that can just as easily be taken out of our hands, that can just as easily die alongside us. Like the monkey, it's really hard for you and me to imagine how sacrificing the things that we know we have under control can lead us into a better life. We can't imagine anything worse than maybe being poor to the point of powerlessness, or maybe we can't imagine anything worse than having our reputation questioned and criticized, or maybe we can't imagine anything worse than being wrong about how we think the world should work. But just because we can't imagine something worse than poverty and powerlessness, than suspicion and ideological certainty, doesn't mean that something worse isn't there. As Eugene Peterson paraphrases it in our scripture passage so beautifully today, self-help is no help at all. Self-sacrifice is the way, Jesus' way, to finding yourself, your true self. But self-sacrifice is not currently in vogue. (laughs) And there are some good reasons for that at the moment. We can't live cooped up in our houses for the last two years and not re-emerge wanting to have it all back. But truthfully, self-sacrifice has never been in vogue. Because if it was, then Jesus wouldn't have been saying this to the society that he lived in 2,000 years ago. Sacrificing what we want and what we control, it goes against everything within us that works to survive. Just like that monkey. But Jesus is on to something. And if we want to live the kind of faith that shakes us out of our spiritual stupor and awakens us to the eternal truths that are even here and now present in God's kingdom, then living a life of self-sacrifice isn't optional. It's essential. My husband, Andy, and I, we have had the privilege of knowing a lot of people who understand what it means to live sacrificially. Uh, We used to live more or less across the street from Fort Bliss in El Paso, Texas, which is the largest geographical army post in the United States. And we had the honor of meeting commanders and lieutenant generals, officers and enlisted soldiers, men and women who had done multiple tours of combat and still by the grace of God, managed to return home to their families. People in the military understand what self-sacrifice looks like in an undeniable way, don't they? But the most self-sacrificial people I met on this earth are not actually soldiers. They are the spouses of soldiers. The men and the women who sacrifice control over where they live, over where they move, over knowing what is happening to their spouse or where they are, to instead pour into their children and into their community and into their friends and into their church. Even though they know they will only have it uprooted and start over again in just a couple of years. Andy and I know Nancy, who unpacked her home and hung every single piece of decor and had a snack on the table in one day 
by the time her children came home from school so that she could just minimize a little bit the disruption they were experiencing with their dad being abroad. We know a woman named Maggie who not only cared for her two children alone, but also organized a mops group, a mothers of preschoolers group for the whole post. And then we know my good friend Hope, who learned that her infant daughter had a terrible form of cancer and had to travel with her infant daughter and her toddler while her husband was deployed on his second tour. These women, they didn't have money. They didn't have power. They didn't have honor or prestige. Most people overlooked them most of the time. But no one else can laugh like they laugh. No one else can see your need and meet it. No one else can throw a better barbecue. And no one else can run fast enough to get to the people that need most help in the right time. Friends, for all of the things that they had self-sacrificed, the community that we had lived in benefited all the more. And that's what Jesus Christ is saying to us in this passage. Friends, what is keeping you from living self-sacrificially? What is it that you have a hold of that if you keep hanging on to it as tight as you are, you might lose your life? How? How can we as a community learn to recognize those things and encourage one another to let it go? Because if we want to know life and life to the full, we're not going to find it in that box. We're going to find it in the eternal kingdom of God. Amen. You have been listening to a production of San Marino Community Church. Find our worship services on YouTube or subscribe to our podcast on Spotify. Spotify.